0: Welcome back to another episode of the Black Feminist Friends Podcast. My name is Lakia. I am your host and resident Black Feminist and happy Black History Month. If no one's told you yet, I'ma tell you. Um, super excited to be back and recording an episode. Especially excited to be coming back in 2024 during Black History Month. Um, happy 2024 to everyone. How has the new year been? I should probably actually talk into my mic. If you're listening to this episode on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts and you want to see the video component, go over to YouTube and check us out. Um, But today's episode is going to be slightly a little different maybe. I've got my laptop with me. And y'all, the tea about doing a video podcast instead of just a simple standard audio-only podcast is like you have to make sure you're presentable on camera right so like in the past in the past when I would record episodes I could like refer to my notes and I could pause and like catch up on my notes and come back and do my thing now I have to like stay engaged with the camera and it's a lot of work so I had something that I wrote um and this was honestly just it's called open thoughts and it was just me processing my thoughts and when I was reading it I was like hmm I felt this perfect perfectly, I feel like this perfectly encapsulates what I would want to talk about on an episode so I'm not even gonna like fix it and change it and make it adapt for the episode, I'm just going to have my open thoughts on the episode. So getting into what we're actually talking about today on today's episode, I have fallen out of love with making black feminist content. Now I know that sounds dramatic. And baby I'm just a dramatic person like it's the the drama is authentic okay I'm just very dramatic but I feel like I feel like I've learned and studied black feminism I feel like I've learned and studied black feminism for so long because it gave me a mirror into the things that I was experiencing and witnessing as a young black woman. Um, And even when I say I've been studying black feminism for so long, it's literally been a couple of years. It hasn't been that long, but it has taken up a big part of my life because so much of my identity is intertwined into the movement of black feminism because black feminism is centered around the liberation of black women. And as a black woman, like I see so much of myself and I find so much of myself in, in the movement. And so that has been really the basis of my existence really since hardcore since 2019 but really since around 2017. I don't think it was a coincidence that I created BFR at a time when I was at a PWI, a predominantly white institution that had a seven percent black population in the deep south at a time where black murder was being broadcasted everywhere. BFR was created in the summer of 2020. That isn't by coincidence and I feel like the Black Feminist Movement and the Black Feminist Rants podcast gave me a place to process my emotions and kind of the trauma that I was witnessing happening to my people and that like latent trauma that that it breeds in you. And so Black Feminist rents has been an outlet, Black feminism has been a home and when you when you find a home you're always going to have a home but sometimes you have to step outside of that home right like we can't be indoors all the time. And this isn't to say that Black feminism is a a phase or a trend because we are definitely seeing in these current times where people are like finding their blackness as a trend or because it's popular now, this is not to say that at all, but I think that I found black feminism at a time where I needed it the most and I felt like I was losing my mind with all that I was witnessing and experiencing and black feminism showed me that no you're not losing your mind you are in a place you are in a world that is predicated on your demise you are living in a world that is not made for you to survive and thrive so you can see everyone else having their everyday struggles but your everyday struggles feel life-altering because they are and so black feminism really spoke that life into me so this is not to say it is, it is a phase or anything because I wouldn't be who I am without the Black Feminist Movement and the Black Feminists that I've found since really entering and finding a home in the movement. And so with all that being said, Black Feminism is not a phase, it's, it's not a trend. At this point in my life, it is so important for me to have an identity outside of the injustices that I see, witness, and experience. Because even even if I am Lakia, the ranting Black Feminist, if that's my identity, that is still centering the oppressor. Because in order for me to be a ranting Black feminist, I have to be ranting about something. I'm ranting about the oppression that I'm, I'm faced with because of the oppressor. My whole life cannot be dedicated to the oppressor, even if it is dismantling the oppressor. I can't dedicate my entire life to that. And it's like, it sounds noble to dedicate your entire life to that. But I personally, my politic is that you can't do that. Our ancestors, for, for those of us who are descendants of enslaved people, Dedicated their entire lives. Yes, they found moments of joy and community in their lives as well, but they dedicated their entire lives, six days a week, on the fields, doing whatever they were doing, enslaved, no rights, no nothing. For me to give all of my time and energy to a system that gives nothing back to me, I'm sorry, but my ancestors have paid and paid and paid and paid. They didn't even pay. They've been stolen stolen from, stolen from, stolen from, stolen from, stolen from so much that it makes no sense. To me, it would be a disservice. It would be disrespect to dedicate my entire life to the same systems and people that have sown so much for so many generations. I can't do that. And um, I'm coming to that realization now because if you've listened to me talk about the, the beginning of Black Feminist Rants and how it was created, the genesis of Black Feminist Rants, if you will, I talk about it coming from a place of anger, and for me, it's so important to name anger because you know the angry black woman stereotype and trope is so often used against us, kind of to stifle our emotions and and redirect when we are trying to call people out or call things out or call systems out. It's like, oh, it's just this angry black woman. It's a way to silence us. And so for me, um, it was very political for me to say this this platform, this this new phase of my life that I'm entering is fueled by anger because I'm a black woman and I can own my anger. Not only am I a black woman, at the time I was like maybe 22, I'm a young black woman and I'm fueled, I'm filled with with anger and I'm fueled by anger. And what I'm learning now as someone who's a little bit older, a couple more years into this journey of life, is that anger is useful. I still believe that, but I can't only have anger. At this point in my life, I absolutely need peace period like nothing comes after that because if there is no peace nothing fruitful will come past that like Anything past the point of no peace is not going to serve you or anybody in this world because you have to be at peace with yourself and at peace with life. Like You have to have, you have to, you have to find a form of peace. Girl, you gotta get the peace. Oh my gosh, let me pause for a second because I know I'm getting into it. <laughs> so the biggest gift I can give to myself is to decenter the struggle for liberation from my personality while still allowing it to be the center of my work. But that also requires for me to detach my personality from my work. So that's step one. My self-worth and my identity cannot be tied into the work that I do. Because if that's the case, then who am I? I'm literally just my work. And if my work is, if my work is a Black feminist practice and it's always going to be fighting oppression, then again, my identity is still centered around oppression. But if my work is centered around dismantling oppression and that's separate from my identity, then we're in a place where, where we can actually live a fruitful life. Because at the end of the day, I have to live a good life. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know about everybody else, but my call to justice work and liberation work is because I know that I'm deserving to live a full and fruitful life, and I think everyone else is also deserving of that. So I don't think it's worthwhile for us to sacrifice us living a life that we are worthy and that we are entitled to, that is our birthright, for the name of saying, to the white man you know what i'm saying that's not how i feel about it and since we all work i think it's completely fine to i'm not saying like you got to stop doing organizing work and you got to go do something else no if you feel called to be an organizer and to be an activist please do that that's your calling but for me i cannot let my entire life and my entire identity be around the struggle tm that can't be what it is my life and my work has to be separate and it's very difficult when you do movement work and so much of the work is centered around your lived experience so in general because of capitalism it's hard to separate our personality and our identity from our work but then when your work is informed by your lived experience it becomes almost impossible to separate the two but baby we're working on doing the impossible because it needs to be done. Finding black feminism and reproductive justice Felt like coming home to parts of myself that I didn't know were missing. But in this current iteration of myself at the ripe age of 25, living in Oakland, California, I want to meet the version of me that isn't robbed by racism and misogynoir. What hobbies and interests and joy would I have if I was born a wealthy white straight man who had the world at his feet, at his fingertips, and his dick? What would life look like for me then? I have to put time aside to find hobbies and interests and joy because my life is consumed by, by the impacts that oppression have, not only on us as a community, but on the individual level. It is an honor for me to use my voice, my skills, and my energy to advocate with and on the behalf of my community, especially because I have idolized the Black feminists who have dedicated their entire lives so that I can have a voice and I can have energy and I can have skills that I can dedicate to a movement. So I do find a lot of pride and joy in that. But I also want to live my life for the sake of living. I want to develop hobbies. I want to have joy. I want to laugh. I want to live life. I don't want to constantly be thinking about the oppression inflicted on me, the oppression inflicted upon my people. I want to be happy, but more importantly, I want to be at peace. I need to be at peace. And that, what I'm noticing, is going to require me to take a step back and really do that work to separate my identity from my work so that I can continue to do my work. I can continue to do the important work without losing myself in the process. So earlier I talked about creating Black feminist rants from a place of anger. Again, I've never shied away from talking about that. I feel like that is a part of my politic at this point. What I've learned as someone who has created a platform and a space for themselves out of anger is that anger only creates the longing for joy. And so I have all this anger and really my body is just telling me it's looking for joy. It's searching for joy. It's yearning for joy. I have never wanted peace and joy more in my life than I do now. And I have also never been more aware of the way that systems of oppressions dictate the way I am able to live and move through a world that was predicated on my demise. Those are two truths that are that are hard to carry in the same hand. And that's why I need that separation from the work I do and the identity that I hold. Cause that's a lot to that's a lot to carry in one hand. The anger that I have built up inside of me can only be satiated by the presence of peace and joy. That is the only thing that is really going to to qualm or to calm down this anger. And I really thought of anger in the way that we think of anger in everyday life. Like Someone makes you upset, you get angry, you eventually get over it. Some people take longer to get over it, some people get over it instantly. But eventually you're going to get over it. But the anger that I feel is not brought on by the mundaneness of life and human interactions. No, the anger that I'm experiencing is brought on by very intentional attacks on an entire people. That that practice, that thing that's happening, that attack, is not natural, it's intentional, and it is continuous, it is consistent, it's happening generation after generation. So there is never a moment for me to get over my anger. My ancestors were angry, my grandma was angry, my mom was angry, my great-grandmother was angry. We're all angry because we're all feeling the attacks of these systems of oppression. And so while I thought my anger would come and go the way it does in the real world, this racism stuff it's made up but it's impacting the real world so i now have to go out of my way to find peace and joy i can't just say oh i got angry it'll go away i'll just change my thoughts and it'll go away no because that thing that fueled your anger you're only going to learn about more injustices you're only going to learn about how it's impacting people who don't look like you how it's impacting them even worse you're only going to learn more and more and more and experience more and more and more trauma that's going to build on that anger And if you live through the world angry and sad and depressed, you will die sooner, like scientifically proven. Sad, depressed people do not live as long as well-adjusted people. So now we are cutting our lives short in the name of social justice, in the name of fighting the man, in the name of fighting against oppression, in the name of liberation, it can't be. That is why we need, I need this separation from my identity, my personality, my self-worth, and the work that I do, period, full stop, as the white girlies say, <laughs> y'all kind of ate with the full stop, I was like, ooh, full stop, okay, period, <laughs> okay, um, so what I'm learning is that I can't just wait the anger away, but even more surprisingly, I can't work the anger away, I can't out-organize the anger, I can't become the best activist to where there's less things to be angry about. Yes, there might you might you might have a couple wins. I can't win anger away. Yes, ideally as an activist as an organizer you will get wins, but that one win you got is going to be accompanied by five more atrocities. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> so you can't outwork the anger. The anger will always be there, and it feels like the price that we have to pay for being born both black and a woman and a feminist and all the other identities that are under attack. And that is a steep price to pay for atrocities that we did not do. And it's interesting that black women are still paying the price of the crimes of white men. Our ancestors paid with their bodies and their labor and their wombs and we are are paying with our time, our energy and our sanity and our lives. And I don't think that's a coincidence, and that's why I gotta put me first. (laughs) At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. But the anger also fuels purpose. When people contact me on social media to kind of walk them through the abortion process or people tell me how listening to the podcast has helped them develop as a black feminist or has supported them in some way, that brings me a level of self-appreciation and gratitude that nothing else can. The fact that I'm able to support someone in one of their most vulnerable moments or help them through a time in their life that they maybe did not want to have to be in, that does enough for me. I don't need all the other stuff, I don't need all the extra, I don't need to be the loudest activist at the rally. Because now I know that I'm impacting people directly on an intimate level, and I know they are going to take that and impact somebody else. And I know that sounds corny. It's like, if I could just change one person, it sounds so corny. But when you really live it, it's like, dang, sometimes the corny niggas be right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the corny be eating up a little bit. So if I'm the first time you're hearing this and I am your introduction to the corniness... Tap back in with me when I when you find out I'm right because there's definitely people who've said things and I'm just like you just a little corny girl shut up, and now I'm like yeah okay, you ate that one little thing, you ate that one little thing, um, <laughs> I was on a call with a college student and she told me, thank you for pulling up as you climb, and I will remember those words for the rest of my life like she does not understand the impact that left on me. Because I've been so fortunate to have so many black women and so many women in general support me and champion me. And y'all listening to this podcast, especially if you've been listening since 2020, especially if you just found me. um, Sorry, I hit my camera. So many people have done that for me. So for me to do that for other people without even realizing, it gives me the confidence to know that I'm doing this work for the right reason and not for the wrong reason and we're going to talk about the wrong reason actually that was a great segue and it was accidental but I'm just so good at this I'm so true to this not new to this it just flows <laughs> if you're not listening to this episode with the video if you're not watching this episode you're missing out because I feel like the facial expressions at like the you know the ah, the I can't even explain it to you because you're not on a video to see that's all I'm gonna say on that though So as someone who has won quite a few awards and who is a Sagittarius, who loves praise, um, and sometimes those awards come with a couple zeros, you know, attached to them, even with the couple zeros, you know, behind them, the impact of someone telling me directly to my face that I have made their life better, even if for a moment, means so much more then the awards, then the money, like it means so much more. I'm also in a, in a space to where if I don't get a $3,000 check for this award, it's not going to ruin my life. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to, I can't pay rent because I did not get the check from this award. So there is a level of privilege that comes with a statement like that. But, and a part of me thinks that this is why I don't have goals I talk about just wanting joy and peace, but I've also noticed that in the moments that I've had the most joy and the most peace, I have been a gift to others. I have a light about myself that is just, it's beautiful, it's contagious. I'm just like, I'm my most people person because I'm most content with myself in my life. And it just comes naturally to be a gift to others. But the times that I am a gift to others and I have the most joy and the most peace, are also the times that I am the least rewarded. So those are the times where I'm not getting, you know, these awards and these plaques and these checks. They're times where I'm just existing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in the times where I'm my most depressed, I have my most self-doubt, I have thoughts of, I don't matter to people, nobody cares about me, those thoughts are the most prevalent at the time where I'm grinding and I'm working hard because I'm trying, to, I'm, trying, I'm trying to bury those emotions under work. That's all I know how to do. I don't know how to process my emotions and sit in things and, and move past things. That's something I'm working on, but I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to work. One would say I was born knowing how to work. <laughs> um, that all black women are born knowing how to work. But So I just bury those emotions. I don't address them. I don't deal with them. I just bury those emotions in work and then eventually I get awarded for the work and then I think, oh wow, I am worthy and deserving because I've been awarded. And then the high of the award crashes and then the, the feelings of self-doubt and depression and, and low self-worth, they don't come back because they were always there. They were just drowned out by the noise of the awards. So I can now hear those, those critiques and self-doubts more. And so then it just, it just fuels this cycle, this rabbit hole of just work, 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 get rewarded, crash out, burn out, and back again. And listen, I know you don't want to be a crash out bitch. It's like, come on now, who wants to do that? Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the times that I am the most oppressed, the most removed from myself, the most removed from my community is it times when institutions reward me because who do you think is giving me these checks and these awards it's universities and organizations and and things like that and if you're like a real big-time person it might be like the government like your your city council or your your state government or the white house you know the awards get bigger and more prestigious do you think it's coincidence that when we are the closest to ourselves in our community it's very rare that we're getting awarded at least in my experience I hope I genuinely hope your experience is different like I really hope for you it's not the same as mine if I'm speaking to an audience of one myself let me know and then we could take this to therapy this this is going to therapy regardless but I thought that this might have been like a thing and not just a me thing but if it is just a me thing let me know (laughs) that the thoughts of like Self-questioning just popped up. I don't know if y'all peeped that, but they just (laughs) popped up a little bit, but we're working on things. Um, (laughs) When I reflect on the moments where I'm excelling and accomplishing unset goals, those are the moments where I'm the most isolated, the most removed from myself, the most oppressed. And my emptiness is rewarded with titles, awards, and checks. But when I'm at the most peace with myself, when I am a light to others, The awards are not there, the applause is not there, and the checks are not waiting to be deposited. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Every emotion that I yearn for is in opposition to the things I need to do to survive. And I refuse to believe that that is by coincidence. So uh, with that being said, (laughs) my latest challenge is finding my own way to experience all the emotions and states of being that I crave while also being compensated and applauded and loved now i don't know how to do that yet but knowing myself i'm sure i'll figure it out after all i'm only 25 and oddly enough it feels like life is just beginning thank you for listening to this episode of the black feminist rants podcast i appreciate y'all so much please tap in and let me know if anybody is also experiencing what i'm experiencing because now i'm kind of like questioning myself like girl just record this whole episode and you should have say that for the couch you know what I'm saying um so let me know I hope this I hope if someone needed to hear this they got what they needed to hear